0: Welcome to the Redeemer Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're listening today. At Redeemer, we are committed to following Jesus and connecting people to God's transforming love. I hope that this is just one of the ways that you connect to God's presence this week. We have spent this summer studying the book of Psalms together. This intentional time of digging deeper into one book of the Bible has been a powerful way to grow both as individuals and as a church. For week 14, we are looking at Psalm 139. Leanne Benton shares with us how this chapter is both a courageous and dangerous prayer from David. He's asking God to search him, reveal his fears, and correct him. So here is week 14 of Psalms from our worship pastor, Leanne Benton.
1: Well, good morning, Redeemer. It is it is so good to be in worship with you this morning, and a special welcome to everyone joining us online. My name is Leanne Bitton and if I haven't met you yet, I'm the worship pastor here at the church, and my husband and I absolutely love this community. Thank you for making us feel welcome this past year, and um, it's just a joy to worship with you every single Sunday. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but the Red Bibles are back, so if you would like to read along this morning, we're going to be diving into Psalm 139, and it's on page 975. We'll get to that in just a moment. But quick question, how have you enjoyed the summer devotional? Have you guys been reading this every week? Man, it's been such a great resource that we have enjoyed um, writing and reading. Um, If you've read Psalm 139 in this devotional, you realize that I was tasked with writing on this chapter. And I actually share a very personal experience that I went through a few years ago that talks about how we are knit together in our mother's womb, how we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, I am not going to be teaching on that this morning, so, um, but it's going to be good, I promise. But if you haven't read it already, please dive back in. I saw Terry Dupree's um, devotional this morning, and she opened it up and she showed me all the notes that she's been writing every weekend in her devotional. So bring that with you as a resource um, to discover more about the Psalms. There are 24 beautiful verses in this chapter, and I will not have the luxury of reading them all. But we're going to zoom in on the last two verses, verses 23 and 24. And let's read this together as a church Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way. Everlasting. This is the word of the Lord. These verses capture the prayer that David is praying after his enemies were on the attack. He's always running from his enemies, isn't he? Accusing him of wrong motives. And instead of asking God to defend him, to rescue him, to kill them all, he actually prayed what I like to call a dangerous, courageous David prayer. He says in verse 23 Search me. Search me, God, and know my heart. Now, you may be asking yourself, why would I ask God to search my heart? He already knows everything about me, and I'm good, right? We often say he or she has a good heart, and what we're usually saying is we admire that person. We think they're honest, and they're trustworthy, and they're kind. So here's where I'm going to burst the bubble this morning. There is no one that has a perfectly good heart. Jeremiah 17.9 makes this clear. He says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Another translation says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And even the good old NIV, the Red Bible says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Now, I didn't write this, but it is in the word of God, and it's very clear on this point. What's interesting is when you read Psalm 139, you go back to the beginning of David's prayer. He acknowledges that whether we ask for him to search us or not, God already knows everything about us. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So, with God, there's no such thing as a secret. I don't know if that makes you afraid or not. But there is nothing we can hide from God. Do you remember Adam and Eve in the garden? After they ate the forbidden fruit, what is the first thing that they did? They try to clothe themselves, they run, and they hide from God, trying to keep their sin a secret. It's almost comical. We can't fool God. He knows you, he knows me, and he is already completely aware of our broken heart condition this morning. And there's nothing that escapes his notice. So again, I ask the question, why pray this prayer to search me, God? And here's why. It's one thing to understand on an intellectual level that God knows everything about us. It's another thing to ask him to bring those things to our attention. That's the part of the search me that makes it so vulnerable. Craig Rochelle, in his book, Dangerous Prayers, says this quote, and I love it. At its core, our heart is all about self, not Christ. It's all about what's temporary, not eternal. It's about what's easy, not what's right. It's obsessed with what we want and not what God wants. And such is the human heart. So if we choose to pray this brave prayer to search us, get ready. Because God will show us some things that we would rather probably not see. We need this kind of prayer in our lives because we are often deceived. Author John Ortberg, in his book, The Me I Want to Be, says that there's a part of each of us that we're blind to. Instead of the me I want to be, which is my ideal aspiring self, there is also the me I cannot see. Everyone in this room, everyone has a blind spot. We've been going through our annual staff evaluations this summer, which is a pretty painful process. Do you guys do that in your jobs, the evaluations? And they range from one to five. You circle which one applies to each category one, unsatisfactory, all the way to five, excellent. And we all want to circle the five, don't we? In areas of like quality and quantity of work, your leadership. Um, all those areas, and so on. And the most amazing thing happens in this process as others evaluate themselves and I reflect on my own. The pain doesn't come when I'm doing my self-evaluation. The pain comes when I hear others' evaluations of me and I think that I'm actually better than I am. Hello? Anybody there? (laughs) There's something freeing about saying a simple prayer. Search me, God. Look at me for real. Know my heart and make me aware of the vulnerability within myself so that we become deeper in our relationship with Jesus Christ and hopefully we reveal a little bit more about who we really are. The second prayer that David bravely prays in this passage is, reveal my fears, He says, search me and know my heart. Test me, and let's say it out loud, and know my anxious thoughts. So what makes you anxious? What makes you afraid? What keeps you up all night long? What kept you up last night? I already have a list in my head. I know if I could read everyone's mind in this room and say the words out loud, it would probably scare us all to death, right? Prior to joining our team here, I had the job of managing our rental properties. Now, full disclosure, my husband, who's sitting over here, absolutely loves buying real estate. I mean, it's pure joy to this man over there. Me, on the other hand, I I would literally lie in bed thinking of the 80 toilets that could clog up at any moment or the texts that are gonna come tomorrow that the broken HVAC, it needs to be fixed right away. I mean, I literally fear those texts coming. (laughs) Last month, we had a 100-year-old tree fall on two of our houses, and it wasn't even a windy day. (laughs) I don't get it. No one was hurt, thankfully, and and no one was actually home, but I hadn't even added that to my worry list. (laughs) Living a full year in a pandemic, I mean, this has tested all of our anxiety meters, right? And now there's the Delta variant and what's going to happen tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and so on, we can fill our minds, and we can fill our hearts with so many anxious thoughts that might or might not ever really happen. A clinical psychologist from Pennsylvania State, he says this on this topic, "'This is what breaks my heart about worry. It makes you miserable in the present moment to try and prevent misery in the future.'" For chronic worriers, I hear some people in this room that might be that, this process leads them to be continually distressed all of their lives in order to avoid events that never happen. Worry literally sucks the joy out of the here and now to prevent an unrealistic then and there. He later goes on with his scientific survey, and he says that 91.4% 91.4 of the things that we worry about never, ever come true. So in this psalm, we see David, who also has a huge list of things to worry about in the natural. He submits the simple prayer to the Lord, God, show me my anxious thoughts. Now again, why do we need to pray this prayer with David? Why? And here's what I think. What we fear the most often reveals where we trust God the least. And I'm going to say it again, what we fear the most is often where we are trusting God the least. So when we pray this daring prayer to, let, to test us and know our anxious thoughts, we are literally inviting God in to reveal the fears in our lives, to bring fresh revelation to areas where we may not be trusting him at all. I've been praying this prayer all week. God, reveal my fears, test me, and show me where my anxious thoughts fall. Can you pray that with me? Let's say it together. God, reveal my fears, test me, and know where my anxious thoughts fall. Let's stop right here and reflect on the words of Jesus in Matthew 6. I love the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to read along, you're welcome to. The Red Bible 1505. But I would encourage you just to maybe close your eyes and listen to the words of Jesus on this point. The chapter section is called, Do Not Worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? And the body, excuse me, more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the lilies of the field, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall I eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Yes, each day carries enough to worry about, doesn't it? When we pray this prayer and fears are revealed, we have to learn to release them one by one to our Heavenly Father. We have to learn to trust Him. That's our job. He holds us in the palm of His hands. He's got this. We need to find that security in that He is in charge and you are not. Let him be Lord of everything in our lives. Sometimes I just need to be reminded of who God is according to his word. It gives me a renewed peace in any situation I'm facing when I'm confident in the power of the names of our God. Linda Ewing this morning and her husband Bruce did our prayer focus. And last week I was talking to her in the lobby and I noticed Hebrew writing on her hand. And I asked her the story and the meaning behind it. And you're welcome to to go and talk to her. She'll give you the whole story. But this is the abbreviated version. In Isaiah 44.5, Israel was so desperate to identify as God's chosen that they wrote on their hand, I am Yahweh. Show them your hand. I don't know if you can see it, but it's I am Yahweh in Hebrew, which means I belong to God. What a cool tattoo. (laughs) Thank you for doing that. It's a beautiful reminder of who we are in God and who he is. So sometimes we need to be reminded, sometimes daily, of the names of God found in scripture. It will encourage us to let go of anxiousness in our lives. Here are just a few of the names of God. He is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Dad. He's your healer, my sweet father's here this morning, and he's been going through chemo for the last three months. And we found out Tuesday that he was healed of chemo, and we believe that prayer and medicine, <laughs> prayer and medicine go together, right? But he kept saying all the way through this process to my mother and I. Heads I win, tails I win. And I'm like, Dad, what does that mean? He's like, if I go to heaven, I'm healed and I'm whole. If I stay here and he chooses to heal me, I'm healed and I'm whole. I'm going to believe that way. Well, you know why? Because when we're in the emergency room and we're struggling, what do we do? We call on Jehovah Rapha. He is our healer. He is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. He is Adonai, our Lord and our master. He's Elohim, our God, creator, and judge. He's Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. He is Jehovah Raha, the Lord, our shepherd. He's El Elyon, the most high God. He's Jehovah Nisi. He is our banner. And he is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace. So, when struggling with the inner peace, the inner struggles that grip your soul, remember the names of God. Call on Him to be Jehovah, to be El Shaddai, the all sufficient one. He is our rock. He is the unchanging, ever present Savior and Lord for real life. This isn't pretend. The Bible is real and it's alive and it's working in our lives. It's good enough for the pressures that we're gonna face this year, it's good enough for today. And it will sustain us tomorrow. He is enough. The third thing that David prays in Psalm 139 is a daring prayer. Uncover my sins. I love the courage it takes to actually pray this prayer. And I'll be honest with you. It's much easier for me to see the sin in your lives than to see it in my own. And Jesus speaks directly to this issue in Matthew 7, 3 through 5 when he says this, and why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of this log in your own eye, and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't you love Jesus' honesty here? I mean, he gets right to the heart of the issue. And when we pray this prayer that David sets up for us, see if there is any offensive way, not in you, see if there is any offensive way in me. Let me make you a promise that God will start pointing out some things that maybe we have explained away for a long time, or maybe we've denied even exist. Do you remember the children's song? Let's see how many people are my age. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Sing it with me. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Second verse. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Thank you. (laughs) I think you went to the same Sunday school I was in. Um, This simple childhood song is really cute, but it's got a profound message that what we say actually matters. There is power in our words as we confess, sin, sin, that has been revealed in our lives. So there's two types of confession. Let's talk about both of them. We confess to God for forgiveness, and we confess to people for healing. I'm gonna say it again. We confess to God for forgiveness, and we confess to others for healing. First, we have to see the sin in our lives, and then we can confess it and turn 180 degrees from it. That's called repentance. 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then James 5 says, therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. We confess to God for forgiveness and we confess to people for healing. And then we run right into the grace the unmerited favor of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says it, where sin abounds, what abounds? Grace abounds much more. So God is literally chasing all of us down with the gift of grace. It's almost football season, right? So I can just see God tackling us with the gift of grace this morning Uh, Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through our one Jesus Christ, our Savior. This is the good news of the gospel. Sin doesn't win. Sin doesn't win. And as we confess, as we confess, we are set up for the healing process to begin. Prayer number four. The simple prayer that David prays at the end of this is lead me, God. Notice that the first three prayers out of 23 and 24 are action requests of God. God, examine my heart. God, reveal my fears. God, uncover my sin. But this final part of the ending prayer has to do with something we have to do, our behavior and actions. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me, in the way everlasting. Here, David is asking God to speak direction so he can take action about what has been revealed. This is the last critical step, obedience. We are now praying the courageous, dangerous prayer, show me, God, what I need to do to deal with what has been revealed. I think we should say that. Let's say it together. Show me, God, what I need to do to deal with what has been revealed. James says it this way, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like looking at your face in a mirror, but doing nothing to improve your appearance. Now, men, I don't know if this is true with you, but for girls, when you walk by a mirror, I mean, it's just, natural. You have to fix the hair. You have to check the lipstick. Is it on my teeth? I mean, literally, this is what girls do, right? You get the picture. James is saying, don't just listen to the revelation. Don't just process the knowledge revealed. Don't just look in the mirror. Do something. (laughs) Improve your appearance. Act on it. Move toward the mirror and make the change one step at a time. This truth is powerful. Knowing God's word is important, but knowing without doing is tragic. It's literally a tragedy when we know and we do not do what he says to do. Samuel declared to Saul in the Old Testament, obedience is better than sacrifice. He was addressing the desperate need to listen to the voice of the Lord. But don't just listen, obey. Sadly, we can hear the direction from God and completely ignore it. Did you know that? He can be speaking to us and you just ignore exactly what he's saying. It's all too possible to not hear clearly or act decisively. I'm thinking of some great spiritual leaders who have boldly declared the gospel to hundreds, maybe thousands of people, yet have fallen themselves. Maybe you have a friend or a relative who professed Jesus as Lord but slipped into the trap of sin. It wasn't usually from a lack of knowledge. It wasn't about what they knew. What was it about? It was about learning to do. It was an action issue. As we hear, we must learn to obey, to do what we have heard and understand bravely, to move toward God where he's leading us. We just need to trust him and listen and move in that direction. Hear clearly and act decisively. Now I'm going to close this morning with just some space and time to pray because I really do believe the Holy Spirit can do way more than my words can do this morning. So bow your heads and close your eyes as we focus on four specific prayers that David prayed so long ago and it still is relevant for today. So, Heavenly Father, God, thank you that your word is alive, that it's real. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our pathway. God, we bravely pray the prayer that David prayed before us, and we ask you to search our hearts. We give you permission to look deep into our souls and reveal parts of our nature that have been hidden from us. Bring new clarity to the condition of our soul. Bring us into a deeper intimacy with you, God. You can only truly know who we are and offer us the love and the forgiveness unconditionally that we need in our lives. So we trust you, God, to search us. And God, reveal our fears, those things that take up space in our minds, that cause havoc on on our entire being, that give us uncontrolled anxiety of what may happen or what might not. God, just like Joe prayed a few weeks ago, in the dark nights of the soul, be our Jehovah Shalom. Calm the storm. God, set us free to fully live in you. Fully live, become alive in you, knowing that you are in control and we are not We rest in the security that only you can bring to our chaotic, crazy lives. And God, we pray a daring prayer to uncover our sin. Show us what is inconsistent with your truth, oh God. Show us what's displeasing to you. God, sometimes it's hard for us to see the hidden spiritual things. So help us to recognize the sin in our, uh, in our lives first before we run to judge our friend. God, help us see it clearly. Help us confess it quickly. And we confess to you for spiritual healing. And God, help us confess to this community, to our communal friendships around us as we experience new levels of healing in our lives. And finally, God, lead us. We bravely move forward. God, we want to see where you're leading us, and we will move. God, reveal it through your word. Reveal it through prayer. Reveal it through spiritual discussions that we're having. God, you are always speaking, but sometimes we have to get quiet enough to hear speak Lord speak Lord we need your direction we need your lordship we will move when you say move in this courageous transformational prayer we are praying today to mold us Lord more into your image make us more like you we want to be more like Jesus So we submit our ways to you and we pray again, Psalm 139. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me, Lord, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Amen.
0: Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.